Hello, friends. That's my Joe Rogan impression. Um, hello, everyone. I just thought I'd give a bit of info before this episode. I'll be quick because it's a good one and uh, I'd like to just jump into the conversation. So um, basically, I'm talking to Sarah today, who is using a fake name. And I've also modified her voice um, because she wanted to be um remain anonymous um because of some of her stronger views which you'll hear later in this episode um also we only had an hour that we could chat about it um so for this particular subject i felt like it we needed a lot more time to really to really try and go over it um and scratch past the surface a bit more so we we recorded this hour and this is part one and there will be a part two um maybe a part three but we're planning definitely for a, a part two to record and release soon so that watch out for that that will be be coming out as well um but yes without further ado enjoy the show show with me Dan and my guest Sarah how you doing Sarah hello I'm good thank you how are you yes yes very good thank you this is uh it's good to we were just talking before before going live so to speak about how it's been a it's been a while since I've done one of these and uh yeah I just uh first of all say thank you to to you two that I might actually have this opportunity to get back into it again so oh um, you're welcome yeah no I, I enjoy them a lot and um yeah uh, I think today the, there should be a few really interesting things to talk about um and I think I'll just give some context to the listeners so I contacted Sarah because of Sarah's professional background which we'll go into I've become more and more interested um just in my own time, I've just been more and more interested in sort of disinformation, what we put our trust in, you know, what why people choose certain sources over the other um, and all the beliefs underneath that. And I think it's just a really interesting subject. And because of your background, so I, I approached you and said, this, these are the sort of things that I'd, I'd really be interested to talk about. Um, mm. But then you sort of came back to me and you were sort of talking about some changes you're having in your career and yeah. your own reasons for that so let's let's take all the mystery out of the way of what i'm hinting at but can you talk a little bit um sort of a, a summation of of your professional background up until now and then sort of some changes you've been having recently in your thoughts yeah of course um so i have worked in um the media for Oh, roughly 10 maybe seven years seven or eight years now mm. um i've worked for most of the national newspapers um i've worked for several magazines and i've also worked for several radio stations so i've kind of and now i work in television as well so i've kind of mm. um worked my way through so to speak um and i think that came from and i'll be completely honest i think that came from a childhood desire to be impressive um right I think I think that when I was at school I wasn't you know the straight A student and 
I wasn't particularly I was very creative but I wasn't particularly good at you know maths and science and everything else and I mm. think um I was often sort of referred to as the artistic one um mm. or the kind of oh yeah she's the creative one and I think I just kind of wanted to go well no you know what I I, I can do this journalism thing I can write you know and that in my head that was probably the closest I could get to like an academic subject career-wise um so actually so you started, saw it as breaking away from the more creative uh I, yeah I think so I think it was you know what it is it was an ego thing I think it was kind of me wanting to be you know if someone said oh what did you what do you do for your job to kind of turn around and go I'm a journalist but and then mm. you know and then list the paper mm. so I think it was it was quite a shallow thing um to start off with obviously I loved writing I liked the creativity of writing um I did a lot of you know when I first started a lot of features and I really enjoyed that um but I would say I think I don't think that was ever really my place um so we I can go into that more in more detail as we go along but essentially I started in journalism um I was very in love with it and 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 you know so my my kind of goal at the time, I mean, this is probably maybe about four years ago, was to work for the Times and, you know, be a quote unquote respectable journalist. Mm. Um, and it just kind of, I don't know what really happened, but I just sort of felt, I fell out of, I mean, it was the COVID years that made me fall out of love with it, but I fell out of love with it. And it made me realise that actually, and it has, and we'll go into this in more detail, but, the, you know, covering COVID and everything else just really really made me go I can't do this anymore and I think that love and that kind of push for one to you know climb and be impressive and all that sort of stuff I think being in lockdown just really made me reevaluate my life um, and work out what it is that I want to give back to the community and, and other people and I think you know scaring them with with scary news which is let's be honest is, is is massive at the moment I just didn't want to do it anymore it didn't sit with me so now I've trained to be a yoga teacher which is completely different <laughs> um and yeah I've just started doing that so I've just started I'm doing one class a week at the moment and I'm going to build up from there but I am still writing just because you know you can't suddenly jump into that sort of thing so what was it specifically that made you fall out of love with with journalism um there's probably several things really I think I mean and, and most journalists would agree with you on this one the money is really bad like it's the, for, for the hours that we work mm. and the amount of crap that you take off editors and the you know the sort of just it's just not really worth how much you get paid if that mm. makes sense because you put a lot of work into it and I think don't get me wrong you know if I was I know some people who have worked so so hard they are so in love with news and reporting and they they're doing very very well I think I think for me it was largely it just didn't quite fit me as a person um so I think I fell out of love with it because I I think it was probably when I went over to tabloids so I was I, I started working for broadsheets and um and enjoyed that and just for a change of circumstances ended up going into um tabloids and just didn't have a great time with the I just don't like there's a lot there's a lot of bully culture in some of the places that I've worked in I think mm. that left a sour taste in my mouth um and I think also the desire for negative news started to kind of bother me as well mm. um I think that's a huge problem like I, I'm I feel quite passionately uh, passionate about talking about that because it's a really uh, it's a big issue 
this whole you know there's that old saying of you know good news doesn't sell um whereas i completely disagree with that i think people are gagging for good news now but mm. because we don't get it you know we're just we're just constantly constantly bombarded with negativity and i think for me that really started to um bother me and then when when we hit covid and lockdown and you know i just found myself spending nine hours a day writing about nothing but covid and i think i think yeah, I've, I've spent a long time i you know i used to do crime writing um I've, I've covered some really grisly cases and i never really took that home with me it didn't really it didn't bother me on a personal level but when you know i think we, we're all in the same boat here we've lived through a very challenging and strange time when you're living in that and then you're also working in that and, and spending, you know, eight, nine hours a day writing about it. And then you leave and then all your family want to talk about is COVID and oh, lockdown this and, mm. and Boris this and all that sort of thing. It was just, it just was nonstop. Um, and when we first started where it was, must've been, it must've been April, 2020. So when it just started getting serious and I think lockdown, I can't remember off the top of my head because it's there's just been so many different lockdowns now. But yeah. I'm pretty sure that was when lockdown one started. Um, I, I did my first, I was doing a blog shift, like a blogging shift for a tabloid newspaper because it's. I think it's probably good to let the listeners know that I'm freelance. So I do a lot of work for lots of different places. Mm. But I was, I was writing for a tabloid um and we were doing like a live coverage um of, of of covid as as it was unfolding and any updates and this went on this then went on for oh usually we do blogs and they maybe last a couple of weeks depending on what the subject is but this this continued for the whole of covid and it would be every 10 minutes you'd write an update on you know an mp saying something or a doctor saying something or cases going up and it's it that is for nine hours that is so bad for your mental health mm. and after the shift i just honestly this sounds very dramatic but i laid down on the floor and i just cried mm. because i just i just felt like i just needed just to like let it out yeah well i guess um there was that i think there was a word in or a term in that actually went into the dictionary that wasn't before during covid which was uh doom scrolling and mm. I think, and I think, you know, uh, we all see that as from the consumer side, but actually, mm. from the side of the people that are producing the doom, how much must they feel of uh, of producing this all the time and having to look up all these stats and and get all these these really negative reports? That's a really good question, actually, and I'm glad that you mentioned that because when it was peak, you know, peak lockdown, we were only allowed to go out for like one bloody walk a day and all this sort of, you know, when it was really, really intense. Um, journalists are key workers and there was a slight element where you know and this is completely and I'm, I'm cautious of how I'm going to say this because I don't want it to come out wrong but you know there was this cheering for the people that worked in the supermarkets because you know good for them because they were keeping us all going and cheering for the paramedics and cheering for the medics and absolutely that should have you know that's obviously that's great it should have been the case but I think when I'm if ever I mentioned during COVID oh you know I'm journalist there was a very different feel to when it was before COVID time. So right. it kind of was a bit like there was a bit of a kind of a resistance from people when they found that out. Um, and it made me quite paranoid. It made me kind of feel guilty and everything else. But I think, I think it, uh, despite my feelings about journalism now and media now, when it was peak lockdown, it was very hard to be sitting through and sifting through 
data and reports and listening to doctors and, and interviewing doctors and speaking to people who've been in hospital, speaking to people whose whose family had died from COVID, you know, going through all of this stuff, it was so hard, but you kind of felt like you couldn't really say anything or vent about it because people are like, oh yeah, but you know, you'd either get someone who'd say, oh yeah, but you're just spreading, you know, fear, fear mongering, or you'd get people who would say, um, oh, you know, but but you're not you're not really doing that much of an important job. But actually, in a way, we kind of were because we were giving the information out that people needed. However, I think that the news outlets got carried away during the pandemic. I think in the beginning we were very vital, and I was quite proud of the job I was doing. But as the pandemic went on, I think something changed, and this is just purely my opinion. But I think that the editors got greedy and enjoyed the amount of clicks that they were getting, and I think they then ramped up the the, the fear and I, that's that's probably for me the point where I went no I can't do this anymore so do you think that was an underlying thing that's always been in the media and it just came yeah. out more during covid or do you think oh it, yeah right yeah yeah definitely I mean going back to it you know there's that whole you know good news doesn't sell it's only the sort of it's I mean you just take a look at a website you can take a look at any of them the sun even the bbc the mirror whatever you look at their websites the the font is big and bold the colors are either red or black um the pictures usually when you're scrolling through a um a news news page um the home page sorry the pictures will be a scary graphic or something very bold and from a psychological perspective and I'm not an expert in that field, obviously, but that is enough for your brain to go, oh, oh, I don't like that. Mm. Whereas if you look at something that's very aesthetically pleasing and calming, your brain will then receive, you know, it will then react better to that. So, for example, if you switch on the nightly news or, you know, my, I mean, my parents are avid news watchers. I, I can't watch the news anymore. I actually don't. I don't watch the news anymore. Mm. Um but as soon as you turn the news on, you're met with this really dramatic entrance music, you know, the drums and and it's all quite serious. Mm. And then you're then met with a very miserable looking person sat behind the desk. And I know lots of these people who work in the news media and they're lovely people, but you get them in front of a camera on, you know, BBC Nightly News or whatever it is. And it's very serious and the voice changes and it's all very stern. Yeah. That is not good for people's mental health it's just not it's just not and I think now I'm working in more of a state you know I'm working in wellness now and I'm actually learning about how the brain works and how the nervous system works and everything else it is toxic to be watching that stuff every day and I'm going to add this as well and you've got me on the rant here but you know when you're in the car and you're listening to the radio you have the news every hour it's not healthy to listen to doom and gloom because let's be honest that's mainly what it is every hour it's really bad and i'm a ra- i've worked as a radio producer and mm. it wasn't until recently that i was like oh do people really want to listen to like you know cases going up and panic and you know it, it's just it's just not i don't think it's healthy if i'm being honest do you think though just to sort of uh, play devil's advocate do you think mm. that it's more that it wasn't healthy for you and you will I know it's probably both of these reasons but do you think it was more for your own mental health that you want to you want to move out of it or do you think it's because that you think the the issues with the media are so so large um, that you don't want to be part pro- of it Yeah I think probably both I think um my own mental health was definitely the main thing because I was I really I'd never had anxiety before um 20 
19 and then suddenly it just you know and it was real physical anxiety mm. um you know, i wasn't sleeping i would feel really sick all the time mm. um my heart would be going so it was really it was quite it impacted me quite a lot um but no i think a large part of it was uh, it was probably how I think the thing that's really important for people to realise is that usually when you're reading a news piece, the person who has written it and the person whose name is on it, if you are potentially reading a tabloid, um, I would say, yeah, mainly if you're reading tabloids, but I would also say this is for, you know, the Times as well and, and the Guardians, the Guardian and, and, you know, Telegraph and all of that lot. But I would say if you are angered by the piece that you're reading or if you think how could they write about that or look at that headline it's awful nine out of ten times it's coming from the editor it's not the journalist that's, that's we get in, in in tabloids and i'll speak specifically the tabloids we are told what to write mm. we don't have very much control over what we write we can object to things and i've objected ob- objected to things in the past but we are it unfortunately for and I can say this for the Sun and the Daily Mail and the Mirror and Metro, they are all you are sat on your desk and you are given a story from the editor. It's usually ripping off another newspaper story, mm. um, and then you write it and then you're on to the next one. It's not. It's not. People. I think people think that journalism is everybody sat in these kind of offices with stacks of papers everywhere and telephones and people skipping off to go and interview somebody and then spend all day writing it while smoking a pipe. It's not like that. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's a machine, unfortunately. And that's why a lot of my friends have left, you know, they've, they've left working for those places because there's no real creativity and you're basically just a copy and pasting machine. Are you saying you don't smoke a pipe? I don't smoke a pipe, no. I did used to smoke, though, but I've given that up because I don't think it'd be very good to smoke and be a yoga teacher. (laughs) (laughs) It did make my voice sound pretty sexy for a while, though. (laughs) That would be very niche, wouldn't it? Yeah, it would be. Smoking yoga teacher. Yeah, maybe I could try. No, no. Smoking bad guys. (laughs) Especially if it was a pipe, like a huge Mm. pipe. That would be uh, Mm. be a good marketing. Well, maybe not. uh... No, maybe not. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So, I mean, do you not think that it's a necessary, like, just to take the uh, these editors' point of view, do you not think mm-hmm. it's a necessary part of the news? Like, if you don't make things bold, if you don't make them negative, then you're just going to fall behind and then fall into non-existence. It's the same, I guess, with with my my job, filmmaking. You know, I, <clears throat> now everyone wants, you know, 30-second clips. You know, they don't want to let a story really... Mm-hmm you know really get into a story get to know the character you know you want you want a tiktok video that's going to last 10 seconds and then you're on to the next one um mm. do you not think it's just it's just a necessity do you do you think there actually is a place for more positive uh media that doesn't attack your mental health in the same way yeah i think i don't i don't think that i think that's just not a balance right i think don't get me wrong, there's stuff going on in the world that is negative and it has to be, of course it has to be discussed and it has to be put out there. That's, you know, that's the whole purpose of journalism. But I think, I think that we're missing the balance. I think we, you know, there's been plenty of times where I've, uh, right, I'll give you an example. So plane crashes, okay. And, mm. you know, it's, it's a massive crash, big explosion, um, but nobody dies. So thankfully, or maybe 
maybe one no no let's say nobody dies and it was just like a it was a crash but it wasn't anything massively dramatic mm. that story probably wouldn't be picked up if mm. the plane went down and again wasn't a massive explosion but six people died then they would pick it up and they'd talk about it but what i'm saying obviously what i'm saying is that's probably a bad example actually i'll give you another example plane goes down and two people crash and they're really old like elderly people mm. and then in another story a plane goes down and you know maybe uh there's a really good looking wife and her her you know beautiful husband and a son then it would probably then get picked up so often we would have a story where we would get the police call or you know we'd, we'd see on the police twitter that there'd been a massive pile up on the m1 and the first thing that journalists and editors will ask, did anyone die? Mm. And I just, I just think that whilst it's very important to obviously make sure that we are covering serious stuff, this kind of thirst for the sort of macabre is, I, I don't, I think it's too much. I think. Do you not think you that's know, a direct consequence of consumer like demand? Yeah, of course. This is the thing, though, and this is the, you know, I'm not going to just sit here and slag off the the newspapers. I think that. People, the reason we write this stuff is because people click on it. Mm. But equally, I think that I think that journalism has a responsibility to manage what we put out a little bit more. I think, you know, be a bit more aware. You know, there's all of these little newspapers and outlets popping up, which are all positive news. You've got good news movement. You've got positive news. You've got happy newspaper. You've got all of these coming up. People like that. Honestly, I really think people want that stuff. So I think, yes, yes, it is very good and it is important to discuss, you know, life isn't all rainbows and and flowers and everything. And I do understand that. But I think that there are a lot of stories that editors are not interested in if they don't have some kind of gruesome twist or, you know, oh, my God, everyone was massacred or, you know, Jesus Christ, everybody's going to die because of this this horrible thing that's going around. I think that there's just they just need more balance because there isn't enough of it at the moment. I mean, do these other news outlets, because that was going to be my question, if, if any of them, mm. are they are any of them successful? Are any of them, like, can you so see them? Up, yeah, they're set up by, you know, they're, they're, you look at the Times or the Sun, they, you know, it's a multi-million pound business. They're huge. You know, it's these these little outlets that are popping up. Um, I don't, I can't, I don't know. I don't have the stats in front of me of how, how many people read them or whatever, but there are a lot of them on Instagram and they've got, massive followings mm. i mean i i know i know that the happy newspaper which was created by emily coxhead um i think it's coxhead or coxhead i'm, I'm not entirely sure mm. but she's on instagram and she created this and it's massive if you you know i think it's it must have several million followers um which obviously is not massive in the grand scheme of news but it does show that there are a lot of people that are interested in this and unfortunately they don't have the same budgets that you know the big newspapers have mm. but i think that just shows that people do want you know why do you think so many people like watching junk tv it's because we all need a little bit of a break and we need a bit of an outlet mm. where we don't you know we're not surrounded by that i don't know i just i just think that there is when i'm pitched when i was working at tabloid and i pitched stories I would know which ones would get taken and it would always be the really, really horrific ones. Mm. You know, you could get a really wonderful story about, you know, I don't know, I can't even think of an example, but you could have a really nice story 
and it just it just wouldn't it just wouldn't get picked up. And I just think I just think that editors need to give those stories a chance because I think that a lot of people need that. Mm. Do you do you think it's <clears throat> more on the responsibility of the media outlets to be more balanced to be more positive with some of their news stories, or do you think the onus is on the consumer to go well? If I consume news all day, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna feel good, and therefore, you know, I I, I better just be careful with my my consumption. Mm, that's a good question, and to be honest, I don't really know the answer to that. I think I think that people are starting to speak out against the media. I, we've seen a lot of it. Oh, yeah. I would say in the last couple of years, mm. um, I know quite a lot of people who don't listen to so, right so when i was younger and when i was you know in my early 20s and i first started a, a broadsheet i used to get quite cross with people when they'd say oh i don't read the news oh there's nothing i can do about it it's all just negative and i used to just think well, that's very ignorant of you because you know surely it's good to know what's going on in the world and whilst i still do agree with that to a certain extent i also now can kind of see where they were coming from mm. because i think there's this whole thing of and i'm going to sound very yoga teachery now but there's this whole <laughs> thing of you know you what can what what can and what can't you control mm. and i think whilst it's good to know what's going on and be aware obviously it's always good to be aware i don't think it's good to become consumed and i watch people on the train i've watched my partner do it just sitting and just scrolling like you said doom scrolling through mm. you know story after story about you know awful things that are going on and i just i just don't i don't think that that's good mm. And you didn't want to, you didn't want to stay in the news to like, you know, it's a whole sort of EU thing of like, well, we stay in the EU and we can change it from within. Did you, did you not want to stay no, in within the news to, to change honestly, it? Honestly, I tried. I tried. You mm. know, there was, it, it, at the end of the day, I only have so much control. Mm. I will pitch as many stories as I can, but if they say no, that's it. I mm. don't have, you know, I don't, I don't have the I'm not I'm not able to have control over that unfortunately um so you know I think don't get me wrong I'm not you know there are I'm coming from quite a negative spot on this because I've had I've not had the best experience in the world I'm sure if you spoke to other journalists they'd probably completely disagree with what I'm saying but I think that you know I tried to a certain degree um but I think I just kind of it just you know it's just it's just a bit exhausting. It's just a bit exhausting to just constantly try and come up with other ideas and and just constantly you just know they're not going to say yes. Yeah, um, but I think sorry. No, that's okay. I was going to say I think there are changes though. You know, I I um, I've worked in a well-known tabloid that's well known for um, ladies being naked on one of the pages and all this sort of thing, mm. uh, and. A lot of people asked me, you know, what's it like, you know, working for for that newspaper? And I'd kind of say, you know, oh, is it not really sexist and all this sort of stuff? And honestly, that place is starting to change from the inside because there are loads more female editors. There are a lot more, um, there are a lot more kind of, you know, I think because more women work there as well, we're kind of going, mm, I don't think we really need that picture of that woman in a bikini on on you know on a story about how she's died i don't really think that's mm. necessary i think you know i think there's more people that are kind of going mm, no not sure about that um it's still a slow pro it's still a much, very slow process though so mm. yeah so it's interesting because you you sort of 
we sort of started and we're talking about sort of like the criticism that journalists get and the sort mm. of uh, the the lack of um understanding and lack of um uh or the or the, the sort of stigma they they face of like you do mm. nothing and um but you also have your own criticism so in in sort of sure what would you say are the the valid criticisms of the news and what would you say are the 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 more stigma or the not so valid criticisms that people have um about it i'm really sorry my love you're gonna have to ask that one again i'm not entirely sure what you mean sorry because because <laughs> you know we were saying like um during the pandemic and stuff like people were very critical of journalists and have oh, so, been, give, so basically you want me to give you good points about the news and bad points about the news yeah what what you think yeah. are valid valid criticisms of Fine. of the news and what you think actually people should should be less critical of and what you don't think are sort of valid criticisms so yeah so so valid and invalid yeah. criticisms yeah i think um so i think it's good for people to remember that we are regulated you know, you often get people saying, oh, the news is just full of lies. And it's like, well, legally, we can't lie because, you know, we, we will get taken to court. I remember when I did my training, I had the life scared out of me because they said, you know, if you get something wrong, or if you fabricate something or whatever, you, not the newspaper, you will be taken to court. Hmm. Um, is that so the, I think, is is it the same amount of regulations for newspapers as TV or is it more regulations? There's more, TV? there's more on TV. Right, yeah. Um, there's definitely more leeway with with newspapers, but what I would say is that I would say that they there's still an element of fact checking. Obviously, we mm. have to go to police for things. We have to go to people for comment for things as well. You'll often see at the bottom of a newspaper it will say, you know, um, you know, the Star has gone to such and such for their comment and all that sort of thing. So mm. we are, it's not cowboys and Indians. We are, mm. you know, relatively regulated mm. um so i would say that's one thing for people to remember um i would also say that the news it, it we you do need the news to a certain extent i think people forget how important it is mm. as much as i've just kind of moaned about how negative it can be it still is it's still a good way of, of making sure that you know what's going on in your local area as well because i'm speaking on a national news front local news is so important i would say if anything local news is more important than national news because it directly affects the uh, directly affects you mm. so i would say that's positive about about the news and it's it's, it's important to stay in touch with what's going on mm. um but i would say negative wise it's um negative wise it's what is what, what I think what people should bear in mind is to not just go on headlines. I know that sounds quite basic, mm. but you've got often if you and I'm, I'm talking again, probably more of a tabloid. I personally read BBC News and I will I, I prefer their way of reporting because it's very straight. Um, but if you look at tabloids in particular, if you've got five things in a tabloid story and maybe two of them are positive and three of them are sort of scary and you know it, it, they will always be put right at the top and then the story becomes about that and less about the things that maybe aren't quite as as scary you know there is there is I can't think of any examples off my head but I have had stories before where I've you know been given a report to to cover and the report is largely positive but there's one thing in there that's a bit like oh 
you know, be careful of this or this could happen. And that's what we focus on. Mm. So I think it's very important to when you are reading articles is to really read the whole thing, because often the stuff that's more realistic, maybe I could say, is, is further down the bottom. Mm. Um, yeah, and I, I think I think it just goes back to what you were saying I think it's well no I think it's good to just remember that that there are agendas and newspapers you know will they have their sways on things and I just think it's very important as a reader to remember your own stance and Mm. how you feel about things I don't know if that really makes sense but that's that's what I would probably say yeah okay cool and I think you mentioned the BBC and I think that would be a great great uh sort of thing to segue off into a little bit and go mm. down more the sort of trust route which I'm, I'm i'm fascinated in um so you said you get your your information mainly from the bbc now mm-hmm. um so can we play a little game of uh of <laughs> of uh, uh devil's advocate with the bbc because mm. i am a huge bbc advocate um so I think that if I just sort of agree with you, I don't know if it will be as interesting. And mm. I think, I'd, is it okay if I sort of take on that role oh, yeah. and be more sort yeah. of um, to challenge it? Um, yeah. So why why do you trust the BBC? I think. Well, let me just retrack a little bit. I think Sorry. I still am. I'm still quite skeptical of news in general, yeah. um, but. Whenever I am on a BBC website, as opposed to the Daily Mail, for example, I find that the BBC is a lot less sensational um, and it it just reports news as news. You know, like it's just simple, straight up news reading as opposed to the Daily Mail that's, that's often just kind of pumped full of scary adjectives and, and just it just gets a, it just gets a bit too much. So I think that's probably why if, if, if I do have to read news and if I choose to sit down and have a little flick through, I will just click on the BBC because I know I'll get a general overview. It won't be anything too kind of anxiety inducing. And that's kind of that. And I'm happy with that. Um, but does that make it trustworthy? But I don't fully trust. No, but I was just going to say, I don't fully, I wouldn't. I personally, now I've been in in the industry, I would probably take a large pinch of salt with most most pieces that I read, but less so with BBC. So I still take a pinch of salt, but not quite as much. So why do you take less of a pinch of salt with the BBC? Because again, they're still a news outlet and they still need to get clicks. So, you know, I'm talking more about the news site rather than their um, TV, you know, their TV news, but they still, they still, you know, that's how, that's how they make money. So they still need to have a certain amount of, of that to it. And also, let's not forget the BBC's government funded. So there's also that element of it as well. Um, but but why but, I, but why do you trust the BBC more than these other news outlets? Is it because because they're sort of less sen- sensationalist? Or? I think I think that. But also, having worked, so I've worked in BBC Radio. There's so much red tape in the BBC. Oh my god! Like. Um, they're very cautious about stuff and much less cautious than, than, you know, the mail, for example. And I think that could be to do with the fact that maybe the mail has a lot of disposable cash. They've got a lot more money, whereas BBC, obviously, 
you know, their their um, payments every year get scrutinised and everything else. So I, I think that could possibly be part of it as well. Mm. So this to the regulation is is a key thing. So yeah. Um, sorry, this is going to get maybe it could seem more and more. Uh, what's the word? Um, uh, getting anal about it or getting um, yeah, no, that's all right. But why do you trust the regulation, the regulators of the BBC? Why do you trust that they they have a good agenda? <clears throat> do you not feel that there's that sort of like risk of um, more of a sort of uh, Big Brother type thing of 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 Ofcom and the government and you know trying to push their own. Well, not the government, but yeah, Ofcom pushing their own agenda, and it's all sort of tied in with that. Do you not feel that 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 regulation could be corrupt in itself? I mean, potentially. Um, I mean, I, I just I don't want it to sound like I'm sort of like majorly pro BBC because I'm like I said, I'm, I'm I'm I don't particularly like news in general. Mm. Um, after my experience, I, I don't, you know, I don't really. Like I've said before, I, I just I, I'm not I don't watch the news. I don't read the news anymore. Mm. Um, I will just to sort of keep track of stuff, but I don't watch it religiously or, or read it religiously. Um, so I'm sure there are still there's still probably a certain amount of dodginess, so to speak, that goes on at the BBC. Like I'm definitely not going to just I mean, I don't know. I've not worked in that department, so I can't really comment on that. Mm. Um, I can only comment on the ongoings of the tabloids and the broadsheets because I've worked there. Um, but I think I mean, God, I think every single outlet has has a certain amount of of control and, and government control and um you know there's there's political you know there's Rupert Murdoch for example you know he's basically in bed with Boris Johnson so it's kind of there's there's always an agenda and this is what I was saying earlier there's always an agenda but I feel like the BBC has less so as much as I get what you're doing you're playing devil's advocate right now you're playing devil's advocate with someone who's kind of on your side if okay. that makes sense yeah, yeah. like I think that I you know, if if I if maybe if I was a, if I was a BBC employee, I'd probably be able to kind of say no, no, no. You know, we do this and we do that. But I think just talking purely from a reader's perspective, I just don't find it so mentally draining and anxiety-inducing when I look at their stories because it is just often written quite straight. I think the problem that I have is with other papers where it's. Uh, the, the facts get lost mm. and the drama gets amped up a little bit more. But I, to say that the BBC are completely innocent and that you know they don't have agendas, oh, I'm sure they do. So, so let's go a bit wider with the question. So, um, how do you determine what, what to trust? And you can have a think about it. But so not just the news. So any information you get about anything, um, mm. how do you determine? what you will you know you don't have to put your whole heart and trust in you know um, mm. but just like yeah that's i'm gonna i'm gonna trust that's that's true you know about anything to do with your with uh, yeah. health with with uh the economy with um you know science like stats about what, mm. whatever um about nature um how what are the processes what are the sort of red flags for you how do you trust put more trust in something um than than something else it's a different that's a difficult question to be honest because mm. 
I think you've those different categories you listed are quite different. So if we were talking about nature, for example, mm. I would tr- I would trust an ecologist. Ecologicalist? I can't say that word. Eco- ecologist. E- oh my goodness, ecologist. Yeah. I would trust an ecologist, or mm. I would trust, you know, if David Attenborough was spouting off about something, I would go, yeah, no, I, I like him, and I know that he's a good person, and mm. I know that he, you know, you can't really have an agenda with nature. Science, again, would probably put my trust in scientists. However. And this is probably, I don't know if, you know, if this is kind of where you wanted me to go with this, but I, to be honest, after working in the news for several years, I don't have a huge amount of trust in, in um, some specialists, say, as in, I, and I, I don't want to sound like, I don't want to go down the conspiracy theory route, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist, but I think it's worth remembering that, you know, if we're speaking about pharma, uh, pharmaceuticals, it's a multi-million pound industry. So I, I think for me, if I'm reading something about health, I will absolutely, you know, if, if a doctor, if a, if a registered certified doctor is talking about something, I'll definitely take it on board. But again, it's about taking that tiny little pinch of salt, because I think I think sometimes we can be a little bit naive and we can kind of just go, oh, yeah, well, it's, if this person's saying it, then it must be true. And I think it's just good. Personally, this is just my own opinion to just keep a little bit of yourself just to kind of go mm, okay but you know it's good to remember this i think it's i think when you're if you're reading a story about something read lots of stories about that one thing look at lots of different experts talking about that one thing get a really broad and wide you know reach on something to get a little bit more of a sort of of an idea of something because i think otherwise if you're just reading it from one source and taking that as gospel i don't personally think that's very good so going back to your question about trust I think typically, as a as a general answer, I would say I would trust experts and I would mm. trust people that have trained and gone to university or studied something or, you know, whatever it is, or they're very passionate about something. But I would also say that I think, you know, we're not kids. We all have brains. We all have our own opinions. I think sometimes we can, you know, I think I've had this problem where people will read something in the news and will, you know, for example, lockdown or, you know, COVID, I know somebody who won't leave their house now because they're terrified. They're gonna, they don't have any underlying health problems. They're a very healthy, normal person. I'm not dismissing COVID and the seriousness of it. But at the same time, they've, they've scared themselves so much by reading all this stuff and probably, potentially, not maybe looking at, you know, the actual kind of hard facts of things and they've gone on the sort of scary headlines and now they've terrified themselves so i just think it's about having it's about having self-regulation as well Mm. so i mean that that was you know stepping out of devil's advocate role for a second but uh, the the advice about experts and also a broad range of different views seem to be very good advice to me and it's difficult to argue with that um Mm. i guess I'm just thinking of of people that will have stuff to say against that as well. So, or so so I think, <clears throat> especially with the vaccines, it's just mm. thrown up so many of these questions about trust mm. and like because any sort of I don't know where you fall on vaccines. I don't know if you want to say, but any sort of uh, people who are, are against the vaccines. Um, if I was to say to them, well, you know, sort of a, a broad range of experts seems to be a summation of what you were saying. Um, mm-hmm. They would say, well, I've yeah, I've listened to many different experts and who are doctors, and they've said like 
this is all, you know, this is all the government trying to control us. And these doctors mm. have worked in Pfizer many years ago or, um, and I've listened to many different types of them who are slightly different. Then mm. how, how do we come back at that? Because if they have, if they are, you know, trying to find out these experts, these people with these, these labels at the front of their names, and mm. they're still coming up with something so different to someone you know and it doesn't doesn't matter who they are they can be the most sensible people in the world but when mm -hmm. you've got people that are so different in their idea of what the facts are what's how do we how do where's the common ground in that that they can both find the facts that they agree on to be honest i, don't, I can't answer that no. i think i think the the problem is with conspiracy theories is there's always been conspiracy theories since the beginning of time mm. however and I don't know if I've, I've said this before, but, you know, back before the internet was a thing, the only people that you'd hear opinions from were, you know, um, people of note or, or people in power of some, of some description or whatever. You'd see them talking on television or whatever. Whereas now, anybody can get Twitter. And the problem with conspiracy theories is often they'll take something that is true and then there will be something else added to it. And they believe it. They're not like these evil people that are trying to scare everybody. They genuinely yeah. believe this stuff. Um, they will then add something to it, which then isn't true. But because there's so much truth muddled in with it, it's very difficult to disprove them. Mm. And there has been some conspiracy theories in the past that have been proven true. So it's difficult to... It makes it very muddy and very messy. And I think the whole vaccine stuff that's, that's been kicked up recently is incredibly problematic. Mm. And, you know... I'll be honest with you. There's been that I I have been very half and half about it. There's been I'm, I'm I am now double double jabbed, but it took me a long time to get it mm. um, because I was scared because I'd go on Twitter and I you know type, stupidly type in vaccines and see what people were saying, and I'd just be like, oh my god, I, can't, I don't think this is a good idea. But then I'd then you know interview a doctor for for ITV the next day, and then we'd be like, oh no, actually they're they make a lot of sense. There's so much information coming from everywhere. And to be honest, I think it's a problem. I don't think there's really, I can't really say a solution for it because I don't think there is one. I think, unfortunately, I mean, it comes down to regulation again. It comes down to, but how do you regulate that? Because it's technically freedom of speech. Mm. So again, it's difficult and it, it just, it, it just again calls on a little bit of common sense and a little bit of people not just sitting there being spoon fed all this stuff and to kind of actually you know question with their own minds if you know what i mean um and that, i don't yeah. know if that i don't know if that answers the question to be honest because i think it's quite a difficult one to answer yeah yeah and and i just want to clarify i'm not i'm not expecting you to come up with all the answers it's more just sort of spouting my own sort of confusion i think it's a good question and it's and it's interesting because you know even you know the people that very much you know believe in in i don't even want to call it conspiracy theories just have very different views to the mainstream um they do a lot of research sometimes and and they do mm. they do use their common sense in their own way of like really trying to figure out what's going on um and it's well if, if, if you want to know about vaccines and this is something that i had a problem with and this is something that i don't know if You'll be shocked. I'm, I'm not sure. Mm. Um, when I was working for news, I now don't. I work uh, in a different department now just to get a break from it. Mm. Um, any story that questioned the vaccine or that 
was negative about it or you know there was one where I was in a meeting and we were we were going to be doing a piece about um vaccines and someone one of the journalists said oh just just been reading this thing about how it really seems to be affecting women and periods and mm. and all this sort of stuff and you know just asking a question and the editor just went no no we're not going to talk about that and that's the that's probably one so of the problems why I've do you really think that had. is because, because there's it seems because like it would be a good story like to to buck the trend because and... that doesn't help the NHS and it doesn't help you know at the end of the day the government is saying we need to get we need to get vaccinated so yeah but it's... if if it's not. I mean, newspaper editors wouldn't be making the choice for their for the conscience, their conscience, would they? Surely. Um, I don't know. I think it's because no, it's different. I think usually no. Um, but we're we're in a pandemic, so if the news it, that would kind of be almost a crime if the newspaper started to. Don't get me wrong. If suddenly people were dropping down dead and it was it was suddenly getting really quite scary, then yes, absolutely, the newspapers would obviously have to pay attention to it. In my experience, it's just been little kind of flags here and there of people going, oh, did you, did you hear about this woman who got it and then she died? And oh, I don't know. And it's this sort of stuff, it's not been big enough. It's been small enough for the news- newspapers to ignore. And the reason for that is because, again, newspapers are in bed with politicians. So if the politicians are urging everybody to get jabbed, they're yeah. kind of going to go with that. But I know what you're going to say. We then have to hold politicians to account. And obviously Boris has been a bit naughty at the moment. Well, very naughty in my own opinion. Um, we do have to hold them account to a certain degree. But when we, when COVID first started and when vaccines started, we I got an email from an editor basically saying, we're going to have to get behind these vaccines. We're going to have to support this. We're going to, we want to be encouraging people so that the country can move on and so that we can all get on with our lives and all this sort of stuff. So that kind of was the mandate that was set. Anything that then questioned that was just kind of ignored. And there, there has been negative news stories about vaccines. It's not difficult to find them. And they've all been covered, but they will not be as jumped on as positive stuff. I, just, I don't know the answer for that. I still don't get that, though, because I get that the there are newspapers, most, well, all newspapers have a political preference. So yeah. Boris Johnson is in, it will be the Mail, the Express, the Telegraph, the Times that will be the the star generally the sun mm. they'll, they'll be the ones generally obviously they do you know criticize as well but mm. that get behind the tories and then you know mm. then you've got the the guardian and the independent and i guess the metro and uh, you know uh, the mirror yeah. that will be getting behind um labor. The, the, yeah labor and left wing and against the tories so that still doesn't I get that that would be your experience if you were working in a more right-leaning uh, newspaper, but mm. that, it still doesn't explain why the editors of the um, the more left-wing newspaper wouldn't be, wouldn't be. Um, yeah, and I and I can't. I to be honest, I can't. I couldn't comment on on mm. those guys because I'm I've seen a lot of stories. You know, the Guardian have questioned it a lot more. So I've been I during COVID, I've been very much tabloid involved. So. From from my experience, working with um, a big television company and also a tabloid, it's been much more pro jab. Mm. Um, I can't I can't necessarily speak, but that for me, that didn't really sit very well. I didn't like that. Um, no. I thought that was quite. I, I thought it was. I would say almost criminal because you're ignoring you're ignoring stuff and you're going, well, I'd like this, but I don't like this. And I'm going to write about this, but I'm not going to write. It's very selective. And I, I, all I know 
and I don't know the answer for it, but all I know is that we were told that we had to get behind it. Yeah, that's really strange to me. It, that's a flip because it's like these newspapers, which are always banging on about free speech and if we want to invade people's privacy because this footballer is shagging this person then it's mm. our right as a free speech outlet but with the with this vaccine stuff it, it mm. is weird and i think it's it's my main criticism of 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 what i've seen i mean mainly from the bbc because that's what i mainly consume mm. i think there has been a massive gap in debate about it and yeah no i agree there has been some and i think over time it has got a bit better and i think the bbc have improved the way they said stuff and and in some ways showing the other side but it's even to this day like i was i was reading yesterday about um the the whole uh periods thing and how you know it's uh there have been studies of of it getting worse but Mm. this one article i could i it was hap- I knew it would happen, but it was happening mm-hmm. so quickly. It's like, they're like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The tone of the voice was like, oh, yeah, there's some periods, you know, some uh, heavier, and it's, you know, it's quite bad. But these people are saying that it's all mm-hmm. fine and it will be over mm-hmm. within a month and don't worry about it. And it's all linked to anti-vax stuff. So just that's how it feels. Um, yeah. It's very much like, so I think that is a huge problem. Um, oh yeah definitely and that and, it, and i'm very much on the same page with you i don't, I don't mm, i'm the same i don't quite mm, understand why mm, um and when i was you know there was a period of time where i didn't want to get a vaccine because of the, the stuff i was reading about how it affected periods and the menopause and everything else i just thought that doesn't sound right like mm, come on um and i i if i'm being honest with you the only reason i got mine done was because i was bullied into it because otherwise i couldn't travel and mm. i wanted to go on holiday because we've all been in a horrible lockdown for a, a year and a half mm. um so you know i if 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 i'm being honest with you I, I personally i would be on the fence more about it but i was i was sort of backed into a corner which is another debate for another time but i think that i think that the lack of questioning and the lack of you know it doesn't take much you go and click on you know a breakfast tv program um and they're talking about the vaccines i mean it it, you look at who they've got on on the tv i've got to be really careful with how i say this because i have got quite a lot of like fingers and pies with all these people but Mm. if you look at who they interview if you're talking about the vaccines you've usually got two doctors the vaccine specialist mm. you know you might have you might have one person who i don't know they were on a covid warden they had the vaccine and suddenly they were alive again and you know have some miracle story and then maybe you've then got one person who might be a little bit anti but usually they'll choose a crazy anti person so that it's almost mockery it's almost kind of like oh she doesn't know what she's talking about these experts clearly do go get jabs this is the thing and this is the problem that i had and this is you know, along with the negativity of the news and along with the constant COVID reporting, which I don't think is necessary anymore. Um, you know, this obsession that we have with COVID plus the lack of, oh, I suppose, free speech and the lack of, you know, it, we. I know people who work in TV that won't allow anti-vaxxers to come on. And when I say anti-vaxxers, I don't, I don't mean, you know, people who never ever want to vax their kids and you know and that's fine if they don't want to do that that's up to them but when i say people i'm just saying people who are against the covid jab Mm. i think there's a difference i think unfortunately there was this whole thing that 
it's all right to be terrified of COVID, but it's not all right to be terrified of a jab. And I think that's a, that for me, that was a bit problematic. The newspapers were very much kind of COVID's really scary, but the jabs are really great. And if you don't like the jabs, then you're an awful person and just mm. poo on you. And and it just it just that didn't sit with me. Yeah, no, it sits really yeah, I think we're exactly on the same. I think page, we're very we? much on the same yeah, there's no debate with this one, I'm afraid. <laughs> no, no, it's 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 good to just hear. Yeah. I think mm. I think what it highlights for me though, so I, I feel like the area we may be a bit different is mm. that what where the problem lies and um and um, I think we're pretty close, there's no difference. But maybe if I compare myself to someone who is who uh, does believe there's sort of like a um there's more of a top down sort of like trying to control us type thing and mm. and it's it's all sort of yeah dirty dealings going on and stuff i think mm. i don't see that being the problem that is causing all these media outlets to not have a debate i think the problem lies with the media going about it wrong and and the media and you know but and but it's such a nuanced problem that mm. I can de- I can see why de- I mean so many people I know um, are very skeptical now about something mm. that I think if the media had just invited so much more debate like there was someone I was speaking to who's very anti-vax and I I was trying to get them to watch um, watch uh, GB News instead of the stuff they were they were watching on the internet because mm. gb news for me it was like a a haven out of the the mess of the internet it was like they're regulated really? yeah yeah i know it sounds crazy Ooh, that's interesting because i completely disagree with you on that one but go the, on the only reason i say that is because gb news for me even though i'm not you know obviously i'm a bbc fan so i'm not gonna be a mm. huge fan of gb news for me it was the only one i could see that was actually inviting debate and genuine debate about um not just the vaccines but also the the lockdown protests and all these sort of things so Mm. it was like it was the best of a bad uh it was it was better than the the quagmire of the internet where you can people are just watching some youtuber who doesn't have a clue what they're talking about yeah spouting some stuff it's like no we'll go to gb news like a gateway drug to more to more um uh, sensible news type thing um yeah and i suppose it's kind of a, they were almost a little bit piers morgan-esque i mean i don't i don't particularly like gb news mm. um purely because i think it's basically like the sun newspaper but in like a tv form i think it's very aggressive mm. um it's i don't love the presenters that are on it i've worked with them so i think it's probably a personal thing but i yeah i find i find that they're very sort of like talk radio-esque it's all i don't know I'm, I'm not i'm not a massive fan but i think i will agree with you on the fact that they do challenge things that maybe other places don't you know and i think there's that piers morgan for example mm. you can love him or you can dislike him i i'm sort of half and half with him there's mm. lots of things he's done where i've been like that's not good but i do think he's very good at just cutting bullshit and just asking the questions that actually need to be asked mm. um and i think that I think your use of the term quagmire is really good because I think that's spot on. There is a certain element of everybody just kind of collapsing in. And when I say everybody, I mean the newspapers and just kind of 
almost all following each other like sheep, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, if, if if the male's done something, then I guarantee you the sun editors will go, oh, the male have done this, so we should do it. And then the male do exactly the same thing. Mm. It's very strange. Like they copy each other all the time. Mm. Um, but no, I think it's, I think, no, I think you're right to encourage your friend to, to not just sit and watch YouTube videos because anybody can be an expert nowadays. That's the problem. Mm. And like I said, going back to the conspiracy theory issue, um, not saying your friend is a conspiracy theorist, but with that problem is there is truth in conspiracy theories. The conspiracy theory itself is usually, I mean, there's so many, it's difficult to kind of put them all in one ballpark, but they're usually incorrect or not true. Um, you know, there's the crazy ones that just you listen to and you just think, really? Do you really believe that? But there are other ones and you kind of think, hmm. So I think it's difficult. I think it's um, it's a difficult one to, to kind of to kind of say. And also there's also the argument that, you know, maybe not all anti-vaxxers are conspiracy theorists. Maybe they just welcome a little bit more of freedom and, you know, like I said, I wouldn't have got mine done if I wasn't forced to travel. So yeah, yeah, and I definitely don't agree with this sort of tarring of the same brush no. of the uh, the no. anti-vax because it's yeah, everyone's got their own reason and and it's different. I yeah. I personally dis I have my own views on the vaccine and uh, mm. but um and I and I'm always under the impression of like really trying to empathise with people where and I think because I've tried to empathise with the people who don't want the vaccine and have these sort of grand views on what's really going on mm. um i can see why they've got there if the news is all banding together and and trying to shut down any anti-vax well, stories right exactly it looks, it looks yeah. so suspicious it does like... it does i know it does and this is the thing and this is this is coming from someone who works directly in it yeah so i think you know i also think that there's a lot of a lot of my journalist friends will kind of they're all like pro-vaccine and sort of it's almost like there's Oh, it's difficult because I don't want to sound like an, I don't want to go down that route. I don't want to sound like a conspiracy theorist. Like I said, I've had mine done, so it's not. I'm not bashing that. But what I'm saying, to be honest, I don't know what to think about it anymore. Mm, mm. But in my mind, if we're all going to grow three heads and you know whatever, then we've all we've, every single person I know has had it done. So mm. I'd rather be in the boat with. Everybody. I know that sounds mental, mm. but a lot of my friends who work in the media, they're all like, "Oh no, yeah, no, it's definitely." I remember sitting in one of the TV studios and one of the uh, producers was kind of going, you know, I just don't understand why nobody would want to get vaccinated. Like, it's just selfish. It's this and it's that. You're really going for it. And I just thought, shut up. Like, you know what people are scared of? You know, there is still the fact that, that, that this is all quite new and it's all a bit scary and stuff. But I mean, everybody will have different opinions on it. But I do think that there definitely is an element of like weird pro vaccine in the media. And I don't... Mm. I think it, like I said, I think it's because if I think it will cause pandemonium if the newspapers started spouting more questionable stuff about the vaccines. I think we have enough people who don't want to get it done. And like I said, I'm kind of an on the, on the fence person. Mm. Part of me thinks, come on, we need to all get it done so we can get over this and just move on. The other part of me thinks, hmm. I don't get the flu jab. I don't know if I need to. Surely it should just be the vulnerable people. I'm not, I don't know. I, I'm very sort of up and down about it. And I, I you know, like I said, I, I don't, I'm not against anybody's views or anything, but I do think that, I think if, if newspapers start putting out really scary stuff about the vaccine, if there is scary stuff, that's not of a conspiracy theorist kind of, you know, it's Bill Gates chipping you with a, with a vaccine or whatever, which is just ridiculous. Yeah. I, I think 
people would lose their shit, so to speak. Um, I, and I don't think that's. I think. So you think the damage think, has already been done, type thing? Is that what you're we're already. We're already. We've already. We're already in a pandemic. Um, that's difficult enough as it is. People have had a really, really rough time these last couple of years. I don't think we then need the media to then start giving us mixed messages about the vaccines because I think that that would then cause. I think they had to choose one side or the other, and they mm. chose that they were pro. I, that's just again, I'm I'm not an editor, I'm not up there, I haven't been there for conversations about the vaccine, so I can't really speak. But that's just my opinion. Fair enough. I I tend to I'm very pro debate. I'm very pro debate, um, and I I think at any stage, obviously, it would have been good to have it as early as possible, continuing. Um, to have debate going on not in the newspaper i mean this may be more my personal preference sneaking in but um on on bbc on news channels Mm. any news Mm. channel to be honest because i think if like let's say itv news or sky news started doing like um regular debates about about it and having people on who knew what they were talking about on both sides credible people citing studies you know let's say you know the whole menstruation thing having credible Mm. people on both sides then I think it would have benefited them because more people would be going, oh, actually, these people are talking about these things openly. Mm. Um, and it would have had so many less people being distrustful of the media because they're like, they're having this open debate. Because yeah. for me personally, when I've learned, when I've had big revelations in my life, some of the time or a lot of the time, it's been when I've watched or listened to a really good debate and I just get to hear both sides, and then I go, "Well, I'm going to make up my my decision on that." Um, I, I think it's good to remember that that newspapers, um, you know, if you're looking at a newspaper story, if I've done an interview, say for example, I've done an interview with a, a doctor, we're mm. talking about jabs and you know periods, as we were just talking about a moment ago, yeah. and they gave me some really good quotes, maybe I don't know, 200 words worth. Mm. I don't have all of those 200 words in. I can choose mm. what I want to put in. Legally, I can do whatever I want. Mm. Obviously, I can't change it and I can't you know, manipulate it, although that has been done in the past. I don't have to put everything in. So whereas with, an, with a, like you said, with a debate on TV and you've got people who are live, that's the important, the live ones are the important ones to watch because otherwise you don't know if they've been edited and whatever. But if you're yeah. looking at a yeah. live debate mm. you know i would say that's probably way more trustworthy than reading a newspaper article of the same discussion because that could have been cut i think this could potentially push people more towards podcasts it was already moving in that direction anyway yeah yeah um, i agree and i'm not saying for myself i mean sort of like the big <laughs> you know the big podcasts that are out there and there's so many now you really but have your choice the issue the issue with podcasts again is like what we were talking about with the vaccines is how much regulation do they have yeah. and who are hosting the podcast? You know, if you, you might have a really great, credible guy or woman who's hosting a podcast and they get really good guests on, brilliant, that's fantastic. But you could have some absolute nut job mm. putting a podcast together, getting quote-unquote experts to come and talk about something, and then the conspiracy theory world, like, wheel starts again. Mm. So this is what I mean. It's so muddy and it's so difficult to... And then you've got the argument of freedom of speech, and that's a whole different you know kettle of fish so it's very difficult to i do agree i think i think live discussion is where it should be mm. um and equal like 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 balanced live discussion yeah. you know not not cherry picking guests that, that they know are going to say the right things actually having 
you know, there's been quite a lot of people who have spoken out about the vaccines who aren't crazy conspiracy theorists, mm. but they they're having, you know, they're making quite a good point about it, and they just get black. You know, there's been people who have gone on this morning. Um, I haven't worked for this morning, so I can, I can openly say that, who have gone on and they've then been told to leave and they're not allowed to come back on because they were saying stuff that didn't fit the agenda. Really? And that's, wow. that's not right. Yeah, I think, oh, I can't remember her name off the top of her head, but sorry, her name off the top of my head, but she, um, she's she been quite vocal about about the vaccines and she was, yeah, basically told that she couldn't she couldn't come back on. And then oh. she kicked off about it on Twitter and then they, they didn't invite her back on. Oh, to wow. sort of, so, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm very conscious. There's so much more I could go into with this and I've got a lot written down, but I'm very conscious of your time as well. So oh, thank you. <laughs> should we should we leave it there for now and then Let's leave it there and then we can pick up. Um, you know, we'll, we'll I need to still I still haven't found my diary, you know. I might actually be in this room that I've been barricaded <laughs> in. <laughs>